Welcome to the teaching ministry of Steve Franklin. Steve's calling is to coach champions in the kingdom of God. Our prayer for you as you listen to this word of encouragement and instruction is that you'll be built up in your faith and encouraged to take the next step in your development as one of God's true champions. Here's Steve. We're in a series called Breaking the Grip of Fear. This is our fourth session. And uh, we started in our, our foundation passage is 2 Timothy 1.7, God, say it with me, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. We've been talking about fear and how it reveals and manifests itself. We've been talking about the critical results of carrying fear. And uh, today we're going into, we're starting to begin to look at individual uh, fears and how to attack them. We will talk about different fears, fear of lack, many different things, but today we talk about the fear of inadequacy. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we ask that you would anoint your servant who is nothing but a servant. We pray that you would speak to us that the life that is in the Word of God would be released, that we may be impacted by that Word that has your very life in it. And we pray we'd be different, having been exposed to your mighty Word by your Spirit in Jesus' name. And all the people said, Amen. Fear of inadequacy. You know, I think all of us have different levels of this, or at least have had. It looks like sometimes in the, on the screen of our minds we project that, that we're going to be failures. How many of you know that you can fail without being a failure? In fact, if you've never failed, you haven't been trying very hard. David Harris posted this the other day. Now, I'm not on Facebook. I was on it two days, and I said, get me off of this. <laughs> Some of you know what I mean. Listen to this. These are biblical characters that experience failure. Are, are you ready? Thank you for doing this, David. Noah was a drunk. Abraham was too old. Isaac was a daydreamer. Jacob was a liar. Joseph was abused. Moses had a stuttering problem. Gideon was afraid. Samson had long hair and was a womanizer. Rahab was a prostitute. Jeremiah and Timothy were too young. David had an affair and was a murderer. Elijah was suicidal. Job went bankrupt. Peter denied Christ. The disciples fell asleep while praying. Martha worried about everything. Zacchaeus was too small. Lazarus was dead. No more excuses. Wow. So in case you think you're a failure just because you fail, maybe you need to think again and factor in the love and the grace of God that changes everything. Amen. 
So many times we feel inadequate because we're disappointed. Sometimes, if you're like me, you've experienced disappointment in yourself. And it's easy to get self-absorbed and preoccupied with today's circumstances. We think they're overwhelming, we'll never get out of them. And we begin to lose energy because we've spent so much energy trying to wrestle today's circumstances to the ground. So many times we, we feel drained of energy, isolated and frustrated. And the root of all of that is we've got a false focus. We've focused on our present circumstances. We've focused on what others say. Can I tell you something? It doesn't really matter what others say about you. It's what you say about you. And if you will say about you what God says about you, you're going to be all right. Don't allow what others are saying. Well, you can't do that. You'll never be able to. You're done. Don't listen to the words of others about you when it violates what God says about you. The truth is that even if you're in a place right now where you're just depleted and drained of internal energy and external resources, God is positioning you. I say this all the time. Whenever things get so incredibly difficult, Ask God what opportunities he has to tell the story he's trying to tell through your life. And remember, you're not at the end of the book yet. God is telling a story through you. I am been impressed by the Lord as you're the, re, the, the true shepherd of this sheep. The chief shepherd is Jesus. I'm just trying to hear him as an assistant. But I've been impressed by the Lord that God's about to change the season of a lot of people who are in the sound of my voice. I believe God is going to take some of you on a new journey you've never been on before. I believe God is about to reinvent some of you. I believe some of you are about to go into territory that you never saw yourself going into. I believe that God is up to something in those that he has called me to assist him with. I really believe that. And it's going to look new and different and at times overwhelming because you've never been that way before. But I believe God is stirring up many of you in the sound of my voice to get out of that comfort zone where everything has been familiar God is about to take some of you into territory that is unfamiliar. You've never been there before. You are overwhelmed by thinking of the possibility. But I want you to listen to this message today because God is up to something in your life. I know it as sure as I'm standing here. God is up to something. I want you to look here in the Scriptures, and I want us to see the perfect example of a man who had to face his own fears of inadequacy. God was about to drastically change his life. His name was Moses. You know the story. The children of Israel were in Egypt, had been there for 430 years. And the last few years of that, 
They had been under intense bondage. In fact, a Pharaoh who did not know or favor Joseph, the Bible says, was raised up, and he got afraid. He was afraid of how the Israelite people were multiplying. He was afraid that they would eventually join forces with other tribes and take over Egypt. And so he afflicted them more and more. He gave them more and more bricks to make to build his empire. He afflicted them incredibly. All of you know that there had been a man named Moses who was brought up in Egyptian royalty. He was born a Hebrew man. In those days, the Pharaoh had said to the Hebrew midwives, I want you to let every girl live, but I want you to throw every newborn boy in the river. I want to do away with them so they can't propagate. They can't have any more children and uh, overthrow us. But you know that in the providence of God, there was a pregnant Israelite woman who bore a child. She called his name Moses. And out of fear that he was about to be destroyed by Pharaoh, she had her daughter take that child and put him in high reeds called bulrushes along the, along the riverbank, praying that God's providence would spare him. In the providence of God, along came Pharaoh's daughter. And she was bathing along with her maidens, and she heard a baby crying. She asked for her servants to investigate. They did so and found a little newborn baby laying in a cradle that had been fixed with asphalt and surrounded to be hidden and was floating in the river along the bank. Moses' sister had discovered that the, Pharaoh, the daughter of Pharaoh called for her servants to bring the child up out of the water. They did so, and there was Moses' sister overhearing this conversation. She runs up to Pharaoh's daughter and says, I have a Hebrew woman who is uh, perfectly capable to nurse this child. Would you allow me to take this child to this mother for nursing? Pharaoh, uh, Pharaoh's daughter said, yes, you may do so. And uh, there was brought back to Moses' birth mother for nursing that potential servant of the Lord. And the Bible says in the book of Acts that Moses grew up in the household of royalty. And the Bible says that Moses was trained in all the wisdom of the Egyptians. Did you know what the Egyptians' wisdom was for cosmogony, how the world even got here? They believed that out of a primordial slime, somehow some cells arose from that and began to grow and multiply and turned in eventually to the human race. Some believed that there was a gigantic cosmic egg that hatched and there began to be somehow human beings that began to be born on the earth. That was the wisdom of the Egyptians. 
Acts chapter 7 tells us that Moses was brought up in all the Egyptians' wisdom. But how many of you know that the human author of the book of Genesis was Moses? And when you open the first chapter of your book, you see what Moses said. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. Some of you are so worried about your children and what they're going to hear in school and what they're going to be exposed to through the media and through others. Can I tell you something? The greatest thing you can do is invest in them the Word of God. Incredibly, you are to bring them into that place of worship. You are to oversee what they look like and what they look at on those screens of social media. You are to invest in them the truth of the Word of God and allow the Spirit of God to do the rest. Isolating Moses didn't do it, but let me tell you, God's hand was on him. Are you praying for those children and grandchildren you have? Or are you worrying more than you're praying? Can I tell you something? Your prayers will move heaven more than you're worrying. God can do it. Even if they slip and fall and back up and travel, don't give up. God is at work in those children that you have prayed for and are bombarding heaven about. Amen. Well, that was a free commercial there. Moses began to grow. And uh, as an adult, in chapter 2, we find out that one day he was out and about, as a, growing up in, with the Egyptians, and he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew. And uh, that moved and stirred him so badly he knew he had to take action. So the Bible says there in chapter 2 that Moses killed the Egyptian and buried him in the sand. The next day he went back out in public and he saw two Hebrew men fighting. And so he went to them and said, what, what, what are y'all doing fighting among yourselves? You're the same kind. And one of them said to him, oh, are you going to kill us like you killed the Egyptian? Oh, uh-oh. It wasn't hidden. And the word came out and the word went all the way to Pharaoh and there was issued an edict to kill Moses. And so the Bible says that Moses fled out into the wilderness. He fled out into the wilderness and uh, you see there in verse 15 that uh, Pharaoh issued an edict to kill in verse 16 the priest of Midian that's out in the wilderness from Egypt. The priest of Midian had seven daughters, and they came and drew water, and they filled the troughs to water their father's flock. And then the shepherds came and drove them away. But Moses, who was a fugitive, can I tell you all something? Some of you have no idea why you are where you are today, why your life circumstances are the way they are. You can't figure it out. Can I tell you something? God got his hand on you. You may be right, in the, right at the right place for God to do something mighty in you. So there he was, a fugitive out there in the wilderness. He saw shepherds taking advantage of these daughters of a man named Jethro called Ruel in Hebrew. And so he ran them off and allowed them to water their father's flock. They went home and told their father, Jethro, Ruel, 
about what had happened, and he told them to go get this man and bring him. But I want you to see verse 21. Moses was content to settle down and live with this man, Ruel, and his family. And if you read on, you find out that Moses became content just to herd around a group of sheep that didn't belong to him. He just got comfortable where he was. Ah, it was familiar. I can do this. He got content. But I want you to see that although he was content, God Almighty was not. You see in verse 23, that it came about in time that the king of Egypt died. The children of Israel groaned because of the bondage, and they cried out. And their cry came up to God because of the bondage. So God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The Abrahamic covenant. And God looked upon the children of Israel, and God acknowledged them. Can I tell you something? Regardless of where you are today, you might be as content as you can be. God may be seeing a need that only you can fulfill. Are you listening to him? God may be positioning you to meet a need that only, he can, uh, only you can be trusted to do. This man was a fugitive. He was a failure in the sight of everybody around who did nothing but herd around a group of sheep. God is getting ready to do something with some of you. He sees something that has stirred his heart. And you just better be ready. God is about to do something. It may be big and dramatic. It may be something that in the eyes of the world might be small. It might be a little window of something that is remote from everybody else. But it's big to God. In chapter 3, Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law. In other words, he just went to work one day. He was out in the middle of the desert, on the backside of it. And verse 2 says, The angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire, in the midst of a bush. So Moses looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Don't you think that that got Moses' attention? Don't you think that it reminded him of the way things used to be. He burned so bright, but he made one bad mistake and got extinguished. And the fire went out. And now he was a miserable failure on the backside of nowhere that God Almighty didn't even know where he was. He must have thought that. The angel of the Lord spoke to him, set a fire in a bush. Moses saw bushes all the time out there in the Middle Eastern desert. But he never, look, there's no doubt in my mind that he'd seen bushes set on fire by lightning many times. But this one burned and burned and burned and burned and never burned out. Wouldn't you like for that to be your inner man's testimony? 
that you could burn and burn and burn and burn and never burn out. So notice verse 4. When the Lord saw that Moses turned aside to look. I hear people say, well, God, don't hear my prayer. Wait, wait, wait a minute now. Are you giving full attention to seeking the presence of the Lord? When the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush. And he said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. He said, do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off your feet. That was a Middle Eastern custom for respect. For the place where you stand is holy ground. He went to work on a common ordinary day. He was in a remote, God-forsaken place. He was nothing but a failure and a fugitive. And God appeared to him and said, you better take your shoes off now. You're on holy ground. There's going to come times in these lives here that riding down the road or sitting in your room or rowing on a boat or sitting in your office. Can I tell you something? God Almighty is going to speak to you in the voice of the Holy Spirit. He may send a messenger. He may not. But you're going to be on holy ground because the Lord is saying something to you. He called Moses by name. He called Moses by name. Moses said, and God said, I am the God of your fathers. I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. In verse 7, the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt, and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their pain. So I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and bring them from that land to a good land that flows with milk and honey, a land of prosperity and blessing that I promised Abraham. It's right now, they're, trans, they're, they're, <laughs> they're trespassers over there, a bunch of ites over there. But I am going to give this to my children. Now look at verse 9. The cry of the children of Israel has come to me, and I have seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Ooh, hallelujah. Some of y'all have been impressed. You've been oppressed. The deliverer is going to come to you. He has not forgotten you. The cries of the prayers of the saints have arisen, and you're going to be delivered. Moses said to God, you're going to send me? Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? Notice what God said in verse 12. I will certainly be with you, and this will be a sign to you. When you bring up the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt, You'll be able to serve God on this mountain that you think's on the backside of the desert. How many of you know that sometimes that which is so familiar and seems so in insignificant to you, God's got a plan even for that? 
Moses said, well, when I go to them and they ask me, well, when I say the God of your fathers has sent me, and they say, what's his name? What shall I say to him? Look at verse 14. And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he, God, said, thus you shall say to the children of Israel when they ask you, what's his name? You tell them this, I am has sent you. I am, I am who? I am what? I am where? I am all that you will ever need for any situation, at any time, at any place. I am all that you need. I am. I am. I am your defender. I'm your provider. I'm your savior. I'm your deliverer. I am all that you need. Oh, wow. So you tell them that. Go and tell the people, go and gather the children of Israel now, the elders of Israel. Get in action here. I've spoken to you. I want you to take action. You gather the spiritual leaders. And you talk to them and you tell them that the God of Abraham has sent you. And that I am going to deliver them. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. This assignment God's going to give you, this change he's going to bring into your life, you are not capable in and of yourself of fulfilling it. It's too big for you. It is too great for you. It is something beyond anything that you're equipped for. You've got to partner with I am to get it done. I am is still I am. I am has not changed nor retreated, nor has he diminished in his ability or his desire one millionth of one inch. I am is still here for you. Hallelujah. Moses went to the elders of Israel, and God warned him ahead of time. He said, They're gonna, you're going to go up before the Pharaoh of Egypt, but I want you to know that he's not going to listen to you at first. Do you know? Do you, have you listened to the voice of God strongly enough to know that the initial response to what he's assigned you to do may not be that great? Have you gotten discouraged and turned away and just said, forget it, maybe I misheard? Or do you come back to the presence of God and get reassured? Lord, do I know that I know that I know? Have you spoken? Then uh, God said to Moses, I want you to know this. Verse 20, I will stretch out my hand, and I will strike Egypt in all my wonders which I will do in their midst. And after that, they will let you go. And besides that, I want you to look at verse 21. And I will give this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. Don't you business people need favor out there in the sight of the Egyptians? Don't you need favor? I'm going to give you faith. This is the great I am. He's still the same. I'm going to give you favor in the sight of the Egyptians. And when you leave Egypt, you will not go away empty-handed. In fact, I'm going to choose every woman 
I love this. Every woman shall ask of her neighbor, namely, of her that dwells near her house, articles of silver, gold, clothing, and they shall be put, they shall be put on you and on your daughters. Thus you shall plunder the Egyptians. I'm not just going to bless you. I'm going to pour out a blessing on you from those who've held you captive. They are going to reward you mightily. Just when they think they have you where they want you, I'm going to put my hand on you. You're my covenant person. I promised your father Abraham, I'm going to lift you up and out of this. Hallelujah. Wow. Moses, chapter 4, said to the Lord, well, that's all well and good, but what if they don't listen to me? What if they don't listen to my voice? <laughs> so what did the Lord say to Moses? This was this is amazing. He said, "What's that in your hand?" What's that in your hand? Moses said, "A rod." I mean, you're God, you're the great I am. You don't know what's in my to rod. Hmm. You got to understand in that society, a rod was a necessary instrument. A shepherd had to have a rod. You don't have a rod, you're not a shepherd. It was something he was so familiar with, he reached for it first thing every morning. It was his key to his success. It's a rod. God said, throw it down. Ho, holy my. What does the word say? It became a what? It became a serpent, and Moses did what me and you would have done. He fled. Can't you see that slithering viper in the sand? Moses running as hard as he could. Moses! <laughs> Moses! Look at verse 4. Then the Lord said to Moses, Reach out your hand and take it by the tail. Uh, did you say tail, Lord? Get that picture in your mind. Reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses obeyed the Lord. He got up close enough, took it by the tail, and it turned into a rod again. Now let me ask you something. What's been in your hand so long you didn't realize there was a snake in it? Is it your business? Have you got your grip around your business so hard that you, it's got to be like this or it's not going to be? Is it your children? They have to be the way you want them to be. Is it your marriage? Is it your finances? Your bank account? Your vehicles? Your home? What have you got a tight grip around? And 
you've had your grip around it so long you didn't even realize there was a snake in it. Throw it down. Throw it down. Because when you pick it back up, it'll really be yours. It'll have that poisonous viper out of it. When you realize it's not really yours anyway, you're not an owner, you're just a partner. God didn't call you to fix anybody or anything. He just called you to walk with Him, to trust Him and obey Him. And the Word says that He became a rod again in his hand oh boy <sighs> can I show you something I want you to look at verse 20 skip over to verse 20 when Moses started to leave and obey the Lord then Moses took his wife and his sons and set them on a donkey and he returned to the land of Egypt and Moses took the rod of wait, wait, wait now. Moses took the rod of who? Did you see that in Holy Scripture? The, Moses took the rod of God in his hand. It's not the rod of Steve or Daniel or Jim or Mike or Troy. It's the rod of God. He had to throw it down. And then it became the rod of God. You throw those issues that you've been holding on to out of your hand and they will become God's. And the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob will show you things you, you, could, you could never know. The rod of God. Oh my, do you realize, do you realize that it was that ride when they started on that journey that we all know about the crossing of the Red Sea, when they got hemmed up by the pursuing Egyptian army and the Red Sea stuck, that in obedience to the Lord, Moses raised up the rod of God and the sea parted. He was now God's. What are you so familiar with, you've lived with for so long that you've never turned loose of? The rod of God. Oh, my. Well, Moses wasn't through with his objections. He said, I can't speak, Lord. I can't, I can't really speak. I'm not eloquent. Nobody's going to listen to me there, you see, in verse 16. I want you to see that verse 13 says, Please send by the hand of whomever you please, of whoever else you may send. In other words, Moses was saying, could there be somebody else? Some of you have an assignment from God. Some of you have a calling from God, and you're asking the Lord to use somebody else. But the gifts and the callings of God are, not, are, are without repentance. You don't take them back. Anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. How many of you know we can resist the voice of God long enough to where he's not pleased anymore? 
And he said, Is not Aaron the Levite your brother? I know that he can speak well. And look, he's also coming out to meet you. When he sees you, he'll be glad in his heart. He'll have a confirmation in his inner spirit, man. Now you shall speak to him and put the words in his mouth, and I will be with your mouth and, and with his mouth, and I will teach you what you shall do, and he shall be your spokesperson to the people. Can I tell you something? You're not going to have to do this by yourself. This assignment God is going to give you, I'll bet you he'll raise up partners to help you. I'm telling you, it's coming. God leading you into a new season. It's out of the familiar. Some of you say, well, I'm too old to start all over again. No, you're not either. No, you're not either. Moses was pushing 80s. Let me tell you something. God is going to do something through you. You just think you're about done. You're not. There are things that he's going to use you to do that you didn't dream of. Surprises. Surprises. What's the bottom line? Whatever objections we have, we need to come before the great I am and say, God, it's yours. I will no longer hold on to my own sense of inadequacy. It is not by might nor by power, but by your spirit. And I look just as bad as Moses out there in the natural. A fugitive from justice. I'm running. Everybody hates me. People are trying to take me out. But you're greater. And I will listen, and I will obey. And in the meantime, you go before God. And when he asks you, what's that in your hand? Be open and honest, because if you'll release it to him, he'll take the poison out of it and use it mightily for his glory. Mighty things. God is going to do things in people in this place that are mighty. Let's bow our heads together. God has given me the great blessing. Dean and I are so thankful every day for the opportunity we have to coach champions in the kingdom of God. I was telling Jim and Chloe this morning who are home missionaries who are with us today partnering with the WMU. I was telling them this morning before the service, this is the most unique assignment I've ever had. Oh, hallelujah. I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. You're such a blessing. We love you so much. I just know that there's wonderful things that the Lord has in store for you individually and for us corporately. I'm not talking about building a city block of buildings. I'm not talking about having a multiple million dollars worth of real estate. I'm talking about people hearing from God and 
obey you. All you got to do is say, I'll obey, Lord. I'll obey. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to figure it out. But you are the great I am. More than you need. More than you ever dreamt. More than you expected. Pray with him about it. If he can use Moses, he'll certainly use you. Speak to us, Lord Jesus, by your Spirit. Those assignments that you have to meet your agenda. Forgive us, O oh God, for being so absorbed with our own agendas that are assignments that are wearing us out, that maybe we have failed to seek you and what your agenda is. Forgive us for the unbelief that somehow your agenda wouldn't be the best for us. Forgive us for that, Lord. We hereby declare that you've come that we might have life and have it more abundantly and that you want the very best. And what brings you the most glory is for our best. We praise you for that, Lord. Reveal to us, Lord, where those hidden compartments are in our thinking, our speaking, our behaving. That we've become so familiar with, we didn't know it was poisonous. So today, Father, we come before you and we say we're yours. All that we are and all that we have, and just like Moses, we have a past, but we praise you that you have chosen us as your sons and daughters. Reveal to us, O oh God, the needs you want to meet through us. We say to you, you're our God. You're the great I am. We commit it to you in Jesus' name. and I love you. We can't wait to see you next week. Go with God. He's going with you. We'll see you then. You can access more of Steve Franklin's teachings online at www.sfmin.com.